This is WPCast, the tactical podcast where we help you accelerate your business with WordPress. I'm Doug from PodWP, where we specialize in designing and hosting podcast websites. And I'm David from FatCat Apps, where we build WordPress plugins such as easy pricing tables and easy opt-ins that drive conversions. This is episode 32, applying the 80-20 principle to your business. I'm really excited to be back to recording one of these episodes. It's been a while, Doug. Yeah, I've been talking to you while you've been on vacation, but uh, it's it's actually been a while since we've recorded an episode together. Yeah, we can some of the episodes. I think it's probably it's been at least probably two or three weeks since we've recorded one. So I went away for a almost three week long extended Christmas and New Year's holiday. And I did like a similar, slightly shorter trip last year at this time of the year, but it was just amazing to me how, you know, with some of the processes that I've set up and with somebody answering support tickets, I was able to take, I basically did no work for almost three weeks. And actually December was the best uh, month in terms of sales I've ever had. So, uh, you know, the sales kept rolling in, the money kept rolling in. And that's that's also unusual for December. I think a lot of businesses experience a slowdown naturally in December. So that's, that's even even more interesting. Yeah, it it is interesting. So I think part of it was that I finally really released, you know, the easy opt-ins premium plugin, which even though it didn't make a ton in terms of sales because uh, the free plugin, you know, basically both the free and the premium plugin don't have a ton of traction yet. I have a lot of marketing work to do, but you know, that made a little bit of money and I still had some spillover, I think, from the Black Friday and Cyber Monday thing, because I think Cyber Monday was December 1st. So I had I had uh, elevated sales on those days as well. And I think kind of that in combination, you know, just kind of resulted in a bigger month. But yeah, like there were even people buying the product on like December 1st and, you know, December 25th or so, like the kind of days where you would not expect anybody to do anything uh, work related. I guess it really shows me that I'm kind of like my business and my customers are probably kind of a bit of a hybrid between B2C and B2B where pricing tables is definitely business related, but you know, there might be a lot of people kind of like moonlighting in their spare time or, you know, building a business or a blog on the side or something like that. Yeah. I think, you know, as far as sales go, I think it, and you know, the, the fact that everything, you know, kind of ran without you, I think that is a really good testament to how well you've built your team and your processes that, you know, you can really step away. And I think, you know, stepping away for that long is something that most people, you know, can't do. And, you know, obviously you were, you were still in contact. You weren't completely disconnected in case of emergency. But, you know, I think, you know, for myself, you know, I haven't been able to take three weeks, you know, let alone one full week away from not doing any work at all. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's really great. Yeah. So just, just, uh, in terms of what I did there is I, set up a messaging app on my phone and I basically told my support guy if there's something that he cannot fix to send me a message on there and I think I think he literally like messaged me twice or so that there was something one thing actually I forgot is like like refunds so I'm I've got a questions asked refund policy so people can really refund for any reasons and I do always get a couple of refunds and I didn't really like specify anything to my developers what ended up happening is that you know some people might have sent refund requests two weeks ago and now I just got around to doing them today so and the developer oh. let them know that it was going to be delayed but that was probably not the best customer experience so that's something i would like to change next time but then again with somebody doing review uh, refunds um they need access to your you know payment system and it's kind of like it, that's also not that you want to give yeah, to anybody that's true but anyways so we got a couple of reviews right on itunes yeah so we got uh, two new five-star reviews 
We got one from Uber Ninja Reviewer in the UK. I love that username. Uh, that, thanks so much. That's a pretty awesome username. I'm not sure if we know who this person is. If, <laughs> if we do know you, uh, let us know. And we got another review from uh, Donica in Edinburgh. And he's actually, uh, we, we met him here in, in Chiang Mai. So really glad, you know, he's a podcast listener. He's, he's given us a lot of great feedback as well and, and some new ideas for the podcast. Yeah, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. So related to the goals episode, which we published recently, one of the things that both Doug and I want to do or are going to do this year is to read more books. And one book that I've started with is called The 80-20 of Sales and Marketing by Perry Marshall. And so Perry Marshall, he's one of those guys, he's, he's kind of like a little bit of a almost a little bit spammy kind of like internet marketing dude. He's got like an, he's got a book on AdWords and you know, he's got like the strong internet marketing type headlines. And I subscribed to his email list the other day and you know, I'm not getting three emails a day or so from him. Uh, so, so, so I was actually a little bit skeptical when I got that recommendation, but I have to say the book is really good. And I think there might be a lot of stuff in there that's, you know, might help me transform the business. So that's why I want to do an episode about the 80-20 principle in general. Doug, you're familiar with the 80-20 principle as well. Do you want to give yeah. us some basic overview? So I read the book, The 80-20 Principle. It's the name of the book and it's by uh, Richard Cook. And so I read this maybe five or six years ago, kind of explains the idea. And, you know, the 80-20 of sales and marketing expands on that and I guess goes more into detail about how it applies to business, particularly sales right. and marketing, of course. So, so the thing with the 80-20 principle is there, there was this, I think it was an Italian economist called Wilfredo Pareto. And one of the things that he started to discover in his garden was that 20% of the pea pods contained 80% of the peas. And then he, you know, he did some more research and he found out that the wealth in society was distributed in a similar fashion and that just a lot of things in general seem to have this kind of 20% of, you know, people own 80% of the wealth kind of scenario. And it really applies to a lot of things, especially in business, but also in life. Like I said, wealth distribution is one of them. One thing that I'm seeing is support tickets. So the majority of people buy my products and never submit a support ticket. And then there's some people that submit a ticket once. And then there's some people who, you know, they buy the product, but they, they submit like 10 support tickets over the course yeah. of a year. So, so there's like this really skewed ratio. And I think it's probably important to note that it's not always the exact 80-20 ratio. You know, it can be 70-30 or 90-10 or, you know, maybe even 99 to 1. But, you know, the idea is that there's a very, a very large difference between them and that, you know, everything isn't, isn't equal. And there's, uh, there's ways to kind of, you know, examine and take advantage of this big difference in the distribution. Yeah. So it's not always exactly 80-20, but another thing that I'm seeing is even of me having like four or so free WordPress plugins in the repository, even there, 20% of those are roughly getting like 80% of the downloads, traffic sources, both in terms of visitors and also conversions on my site, probably 20% of the potential traffic sources, you know, drive 80% of the sales. Or so so it, it's really interesting. The first time I came about this principle was when I read Tim Ferriss's uh, four hour work week. So in that book, uh, Tim Ferriss described how he analyzed his customers and he found out that around 20% of his customers generated 80% of sales. And 
which eventually led him to getting rid of like the other 80% that only generated 20% of sales. So he was able to free up his time and work less. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is true with a lot of service-based businesses, especially, you know, with, with our audience, we probably have a, a bunch of freelancers or agencies. And, you know, if you haven't already realized it, you know, you've got some really good customers that are driving most of your revenue. And then you've got a lot that probably aren't as worth it. And if you let go of some of your less profitable customers, you can, you can end up making a pretty big difference in your business. Or if you don't, if you don't do that on, or in conjunction, just focusing more on your highest value customers can also have a pretty big impact. Okay. So let's talk about some specific takeaways that we've had or that I've had from reading this book. So one thing that the author mentions is that in the case of sales reps, uh, you know, if you have 10 sales reps, probably 20% of them are going to generate 80% of the sales. And which means that the best sales rep is 16 times better than an average sales rep. And that kind of made me think a bit about programmers and programmer hiring. And um, there's this concept that I've read about before called a 10x programmer. And those are really sought after in the Silicon Valley, which is basically, it's basically a rockstar programmer, somebody who's really good who's really fast and who's just so much better than than like an average programmer and it really made me think about how it is really important to hire the right people so you hiring the best versus the second best person it might not be a 10 percent difference it might be like a you know a 10x kind of difference so that really made me think about you know how i'm going to approach hiring going forward yeah and you know another takeaway is like i mentioned before with a freelancer or agency model you know, 20% of clients make up 80% of your revenue. And similarly, you know, on, on the other end, you know, maybe 20% of your clients are going to take up 80% of your time. And I think one of the important things to note here is that those aren't necessarily the same 20% of clients. You may, if, if you actually go through, assuming you have enough, enough volume, you go through your list, you know, and, you know, find which, which are your most valuable clients and then which clients take up the most time and, there hopefully there should be some overlap but if they're completely different lists then you've got a bit of a problem and you know you need to to fix that right and it's easier to think for those kind of problems to arise if you just never analyze your your business in such a fashion on the topic of productivity the 80 20 principle also applies where 80 percent of your productivity comes from 20 percent of your tasks and the important thing to note is you have, uh, you know, some very high value tasks or, or high value work that you do, whereas a lot of it, you know, really isn't that important or you don't have to do personally. So one thing that's discussed in the book is to divide everything into tasks, you know, roughly based on dollar per hour value. So $10,000 per hour, $1,000 an hour, $100 an hour and $10 an hour. Yeah. And that, that's actually one thing that I've not done with my task list in my trailer board where I'm collecting my tasks um, because there are certain things that I would consider $10 per hour tasks that have to be done. But now I can kind of categorize it and eventually maybe look into somebody taking over those tasks for me. I don't think there's a lot of $10,000 hour per tasks in my business. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think one thing that I mentioned to you before we hit record was that I think going back, probably the decision, like the tool, maybe the 
the one hour that I spent on doing like market research and deciding to do easy pricing tables, that hour was probably a $10,000 per hour. It was like, there was like one $10,000 per hour in my business, but you know, you know, so there are those really powerful, important things. And some of the examples that he gives in the book, like the really valuable stuff would be deciding which market to enter or working on your unique selling proposition. Those really like high level strategic things. And then when you go a bit further down to 1000 or 100 per hour from a business point of view, those would be maybe to do, to analyze split tests or to go to like an analytics review and analyze your sales funnel, writing marketing copy, you know, maybe that's more of a hundred dollar per hour thing. And maybe if you're, if you're doing software development, maybe some parts of your program might also be $100 per hour, you writing code. Yeah, I would say that, uh, you know, the really high value tasks, most of those are leveraged with experience. You know, for example, when you're talking about the decision to to go with easy pricing tables, Mm -hmm. you know, that came from, you know, your experience with looking at markets and understanding business models and all that. So somebody you, you find on Odesk, you know, wouldn't, have been able to do something like that. And it's not something you would outsource to somebody. And, you know, same thing with, with, you know, $1,000 an hour tasks. These are things that are fairly important. And, you know, when you get, you know, to, you know, six above a six figure, like a seven figure business, then you can probably, you know, outsource those $1,000 an hour tasks. But, or you would probably have maybe internal staff to do it because yeah. I, I think you're right that as a heuristic, the more difficult something it is to outsource, the more valuable it's probably also going to be. Yeah. So for most people, you know, it's pretty safe to say that the $10 an hour tasks, you should be able to outsource or you should really think about outsourcing. You know, I know for, for myself, you know, I've I've tried and considered doing that. And it's something that that is pretty high on the roadmap to outsource the easier stuff. So, you know, I can focus my time on the more valuable things. Like, for example, when when I do a website design, the kind of like the over the outside, the structure of the design and and the higher level concepts, you know, those are things that I really need to keep myself, at least for the time being. But content formatting and mm-hmm. uploading images and all those kinds of things, those, you know, are, are pretty easy tasks and can be explained or should be uh, trained easily by by somebody else. So you should be handing those off. Yeah. So in the at the same point, so what makes sense here is to focus on your strengths or weaknesses. So you want to identify the kind of things in your business and in your career that are highly, highly valuable tasks. And then you want to identify those that also come easy to you and that you enjoy doing. And then you want to do them more and, you know, become even better at it. So Perry Marshall was talking about skill development and focusing on what kind of stuff you should be spending your time on in this context. And I thought it was interesting. And one of the things he recommended is to ask some of your friends and family members that know you fairly well, what they think that some of the things that you do best or that you're naturally good at are and to focus more on these instead of kind of like trying to fight an uphill battle where, you know, if you're really bad at copywriting, maybe you shouldn't be writing your copy if, if you just can't at all, you know, get it done. So there's a good quote by uh, Peter Drucker. There's nothing quite so useless as doing with great efficiency, something that should not be done at all. So I think, uh, you know, this goes along with the rest of the theme. You really need to, you know, value your own time. And, you know, of course, you know, when you're, when you're bootstrapping and, and starting something up from scratch, 
you can't outsource everything right away. And, and I think it's also important, which a lot of people don't really talk about, is that if you're going to hand off you know, a task to somebody else, you should probably be really good at doing it. Something you should be uh, like an expert and writes, you know, a really good SOP. I think a lot of people, they outsource stuff that, you know, they don't know how to do themselves. Yep. And, you know, there's, so in my opinion, there's, there's a difference between outsourcing and contracting. Right. You know, when, when I think outsourcing, I think, you know, really low pay somebody you yep. know, in a developing country and maybe, you know, a little tougher to communicate with and, you know, not as high level and with contracting that's kind of hiring specialist consultant freelancer agency somebody who really knows what they're doing but they also charge a lot more i was listening to one of james Schramke's, i think it was freedom ocean podcasts um, a couple of weeks ago and they talked they spent an entire episode talking about this where this whole like cheap outsourcing thing and you know hiring either full-time or part-time it might not always make sense for you if, if you're trying to do seo and you don't know anything about seo like you said you want to go to some kind of kind of trust and consultant or agency who's going to be charging you $200 an hour, but you know, they're going to be doing a good job, assuming you can afford it, of course. Um, You don't want to get a guy from India for 10 bucks per hour uh, if you don't know anything about SEO because he's probably going to destroy your site. Yeah, I think, you know, certain things like SEO to a lesser extent, building your website, but definitely SEO, higher level programming stuff. You know, if you were hiring somebody to design an app or plugin, these kinds of things, if, if they do it wrong, it could really be a disaster later on. It could take, it could cost you a lot of time and money to fix certain things where, you know, if they screw it up, there's kind of a limited downside. So for example, right. like, you know, a website design that is probably not too bad if it, if it gets messed up or they use a bad theme, well, then you, you know, you hire a new designer and start over, which isn't ideal, but you would probably not have lost too much in the meantime. Whereas if somebody did a lot of black hat SEO and, you know, just bought a ton of links and then you find that out later, you know, it can take months, undo the damage on that right. if it's even possible. Yeah. So back to the Peter Drucker quote of only, you know, making sure to only do the right things. So I think one concept in there as well is that if you're really doing the right things and if you have other people doing the less important things, you can easily get away with doing a lot less than you could get away with doing less than eight hours of work a day. You could, you know, you could do like three or four or five focused hours a day and you might be ahead of the game because everybody else bogged down in checking email all day long. And on a related note, I think me going away and not answering emails for three weeks just kind of helped me realize how there's literally nothing important, like at all, almost going into my email inbox. So I should, there's no point at all in me checking email once a day because there's never anything super important in there. I think I'm going to be better for checking email twice a week or so going forward. Yeah, that's something that that I'd like to do as well as you know, maybe not quite twice a week, but I'd be happy to get it down to twice a day. <laughs> yeah. Another point is the thing that Perry Marshall calls the Starbucks espresso machine principle. And the way he explains this is so Starbucks coffee, you know, you go to Starbucks, you buy a cup of coffee, it's going to be two or three or four dollars. And 
one thing that Starbucks figured out is that there is some people who have the capacity to spend a lot more money than three dollars. And you know, maybe some of those people they're gonna buy they're gonna buy cheesecake and they're gonna buy a sandwich and they're gonna buy a second coffee. So they're gonna spend twenty bucks instead of four. But even then, there's some people who are willing to spend a lot more, assuming they get a corresponding value in return. So on the Starbucks website, they offer two espresso machines, one costing two hundred dollars and the other one costing two thousand dollars. And basically, there is a very small percentage of people that walk into a Starbucks store who are willing to spend a lot of money on an espresso machine. And then Starbucks basically gives them this opportunity to, to buy this super deluxe experience from them. And so the theoretical background there is that Marshall figured out that 80-20 fits inside 80-20, so it scales. So what that means is if 20% of your customers you know, spend 80% of the money, 20% of those 20% are willing to spend 80% of 80% of the money. So of course, assuming you give them something of comparable value. So what Perry Marshall names as rules of thumb in his book is that 20% of your customers would be willing to spend four times as much and 4% of your customers would be willing to spend 16 times as much and 1% would even be willing to spend 50 times as much. And that is kind of making me think with my business where I am having this one-time purchase of a, a WordPress plugin about how can I capture those. I'm leaving a lot of money on the table. I might be able to double my sales if I give you know 20% of my customers the opportunity to spend and four times as much. So things that I'm thinking about right now in my business is maybe doing some kind of information products as upsells to easy pricing tables about how to get the pricing right. Or another example that could potentially be a 16x price increase or even a 50x price increase would be a website where, you know, out of say 100 people buying easy pricing tables, there's probably going to be one person in there willing to pay $5,000 for a website. So I think, I think that's a really interesting concept. Yeah. And, and on a similar related note, you know, this, you know, ad, adding these upsells, uh, you know, it's, we, we had talked about this before, but if that doesn't end up being, uh, you know, just 20% of customers buying it, if it ends up being more then that's, you know, that's a good thing. Right. You know, we're, you were talking about how it's not necessarily an 80, 80, 20 ratio all the time. And it's kind of like a, just a guideline when, you know, if, if you have a lot of products that there, there may be some inefficiencies in how you're doing things, but you may try some of these new things and they could really take off and then you can 80, 20 that even further. So it's, it's kind of not a, a static thing. It, it, I think it's something that you're continuously adapting to. Yeah. Let me give um, an example from the WordPress space. So as I mentioned before, I'm a big fan of Pippin's Easy Digital Downloads plugin. And I think he just wrote the yearly wrap-up, which we'll link up in the show notes. And I think with Easy Digital Downloads alone, he probably made like four or 500,000 in sales or so. And I think part of the secret there, other than it being a really awesome product, is he's got uh, this extension store with, who knows, like 40 or 50 paid extensions in there. So I would think there's probably a lot of people that use Easy Digital Downloads and don't pay any premium buy any premium extensions at all and there's maybe some people who buy a handful of them and there's probably very few people who spend thousands of dollars buying like all kinds of extensions and just offering multiple things to those people like lets them gives them the opportunity to spend more money with you which i think is really smart yeah i think um you know on on that example i, I believe it's uh the stripe extension that was the biggest one yeah 
So let's move on to the last point, which was a really big takeaway for me. So this isn't necessarily related to the 80-20 principle per se, but it kind of really opened my eyes because it's like an 80-20 thing you can do in your business. So Perry Marshall calls continuous split testing the secret to improving everything. And what he means is he gives this example of, so my sales funnel, there's like an there's a free plugin and then there's a sidebar ad inside of the free plugin. And then people click on that and they come to the sales page and then they go to the checkout page and then they have bought. So if I could double the conversion on the ad and if I could double the conversion on the sales page and if I could double the conversion on the checkout page, all of that multiplies and I would increase sales by eightfold, which is just uh crazy. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy to that, you know, double sales page conversions, for example, but it's just one of the things where if you're constantly testing, split testing, constantly improving your business, eventually it's going to add up. So if you increase your sales by 10% every month within 7.2 months, you're going to double your business. And I've just been too lazy to do any split testing in my business, to be honest. It's one of the things that I know that I should be doing, but I haven't really done. And now having read the book and kind of like having realized the math behind this is I'm, I'm really excited to start split testing in my business. So I, I think one of the keys with uh, split testing is you do have to have enough volume, you know, when yep. you're just starting out and you're not getting a ton of downloads or sales there's really, you know, it's not worth your time to, to try to do split testing, you know, until you're getting, you know, enough, you know, like where you're getting, you know, maybe a sale a day or something like that. And, you know, like David said, I think testing is, is pretty crucial and, and measuring it. I think it's, it's important that you're, you're collecting the right data to begin with. And then, you know, once you've got enough of it, then you can really analyze it to uh to see where you can take advantage of it or or where kind of uh losing money or losing time yeah and i think one thing you can do is if you don't get a lot of conversions i mean you still need some conversions but you can test really the drastic changes so instead of just changing the wording of a headline you can basically redo the entire sales page and then split test it against each other so you know the more different the variations are the more likely you're going to see some kind of difference even if the volume is low but it's a good point that you made. So that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. We have the show notes and all the links that we talked about in this episode at wpcast.fm slash 8020 principle. And that's 8020 principle. So we'd love to know what you think. You know, leave us some comments about you know, how the 8020 principle, you know, may be affecting your business. You know, if there's any key takeaways that you, you got out of this and any like insights, especially anything you've, you've realized, uh, you know, that maybe uh, you should be changing in your business. Uh, yeah. And just, just one last note here from me, even if you already understand the principle and even if you listen to this episode, uh, the edit 20 of sales and marketing is definitely one of the better books I've recently read and a lot of uh, my friends agree. So even though it might sound a bit spammy and the guy can be a little bit spammy who wrote it, there's a lot of really good content in there. So I'd highly recommend you add it to your reading list. Thanks for listening. You can go to wpcast.fm to download our WordPress toolbox, which contains our 50 favorite tools. We'll see you next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.